So let's get started. Eli, uh, we can't start this conversation without asking, what the fuck is an NFT? <laughs> that is a great place to start. So an <laughs> NFT is, the, the, what the acronym stands for is non-fungible token. And the significance of that is in crypto world, most people are familiar with Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Dogecoin. And as, you, as people know, coins, crypto coins, just like currencies, are divisible down to smaller parts, right? You can have a fraction of a Dogecoin, you can have a fraction of a Bitcoin, you have a fraction of Ethereum, the same way you can have a fraction of a dollar. You've got quarters, dimes, pennies, etc. So the significance of a non-fungible token is it is a singular object that cannot be broken down. So what that means is it can be used to create things on the blockchain that are actually considered digital assets. And that could be anywhere from a piece of art to a concert ticket to a conference ticket to anything you want it to be. But it is it is the it is the phys- real world equivalent of a digital asset. Okay, and just to be clear, to 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 link it to this episode, you bought an NFT, uh, and maybe you could describe the NFT and like give us a bit of backstory how you came about to purchase that NFT, how much you purchased it for. And like, give us a bit of background, what we're talking about now that we know what an NFT actually is. So I only got into NFTs in May of this year. And the only thing that got me into it is if anybody listening knows who Gary Vaynerchuk is, Gary V, uh, he's very big in the social media space. He runs VaynerMedia, which is uh, one of the top marketing social media agencies that serves Fortune 500 companies. They had three different Super Bowl commercials for brands this year in the Super Bowl. I mean, they're they're big time. I mean, he's a really positive guy. puts out a lot of great stuff. encourages people to you know not listen to the haters and take their shot and go for it. It's a really great guy. He's had a career of like really promoting you know goodness in the world overall. Um, so I followed him for a long time. Supported some projects he's done here and there. Um, and then he went in and did his own NFTs called V Friends. And the idea behind V Friends is he's pivoting to like the third chapter of his career, which he plans to build an entire media empire and content around these, uh, around these characters. And these characters are V friends. So when he's selling the V friends, the V friends are effectively the, uh, the V friends tokens are effectively the digital rookie cards of the characters he's promising, promising to develop into mainstream IP. And if you guys know the way these things work, if something becomes popular, then it becomes worth more money. That's kind of the way the collectible market works. The reason a Jordan rookie card is worth a million dollars and some guy nobody's ever heard of is worth nothing is its popularity, right? So he's got all that. Then he also did this element to make it make more sense for people and just come with value that people could justify the cost entirely, which is Gary Vee is a very large, prominent business and marketing guy. Each token comes with access for the next three years, a ticket to his conference called VCon. And it's going to be a large business networking marketing conference. And a lot of people in his audience are tuned to that. So by buying the token, hey, at the very least, you get three-year access to this VIP conference. And hey, if the tokens don't work out, hey, whatever, at least this conference kind of makes the cost worth it. Well, and the time between when these were first sold by V Friends and Gary V back in May and today the NFT market has really exploded and so has the popularity of V friends. 
So I'm, I'm assuming these are sold through through a marketplace of some sort, right? Has, has V are free friends only in one marketplace, or are they so in typically various marketplaces? The way these things the work is they are sold initially from the website of the project. So you will mint them from the project website. They are minted onto the blockchain at the time of initial purchase. That's called minting. It gets written onto the blockchain, which is all pretty much Ethereum. That's where all the credible projects are happening for the most part. It's minted onto the Ethereum blockchain, sent to your your crypto wallet, and now you own the asset. Now, after that, it's transferred and sold primarily on a platform called OpenSea. It's kind of the eBay of, of, of the NFT world, a little bit different because it's not so much of an auction feature. Um, it's typically you just put up a list price, but eBay does that too. So OpenSea, you can really think of as the eBay of NFT world. And that's where the buying and re- that's where the reselling happens. Mm-hmm. The initial sell happens from a mint, which is typically hosted on the website of the brand who's doing it. And then there's a smart contract involved. Um, and the smart contract kind of explain is the technical explanation of like what's happening, who owns what, what goes where, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So gotcha. y- you originally bought and w- your uh, NFT that you bought is called, uh, well, maybe you should say it. what, wh- what is it called and how did you? Sure. So um, I bought enough. The first one I bought was actually a, a holographic nifty narwhal. Looks like a unicorn. I love that little guy. I still have that one. Uh, the second one I bought was this one. It would say Epic Positive Porcupine. So one of the things Gary Vee is big on is all of his characters have a trait that he that he finds important. Uh, positivity, humility, um, uh, focus, passion, all this stuff, all these good traits that his characters are going to be about and that he wants to inject into culture. So I chose the Positive Porcupine, one, because I, th- I thought the Porcupine was a cool character, but also positivity is a big thing in his brand and that he talks about a lot like positivity wins. So I chose positive, the positive porcupine because I figured that would be a, that would be a great choice as an investment because Gary V is really big on positivity. Um, and then the Epic, they have different levels of rarities and that's important as in collectible world as well. The Epic is a one of two. So there's only two Epic positive porcupines and in each character of the entire series only has, has two Epics. So it's a it's a has a very high degree of rarity. So you were essentially betting that because you know Gary V has positively in it, and that's a general theme in his videos and whatnot. That you thought I that thought that that price would go up disproportionately to other characters. Yes. And there's no link with Tesla yes. and that little porcupine. None whatsoever. That that did not influence you at all. <laughs> no, actually. Okay. I mean. <laughs> The t- I mean, I'll tell you what, subconsciously, the little Tesla hedgehog <laughs> thing that says, ha yes, it probably didn't influence me. It's impossible that it did it. But, <laughs> but at least consciously, the reason I chose it was because it was positivity. Okay. And how much did you pay for it? Can, can you tell us? Yes. On initial purchase, I paid $4,800 for that epic V friend, which by the way, felt insane. Wow, great return. Absolutely insane. And I even like, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of savings at the time. Yeah. I've been going through a divorce and stuff, so I didn't have much cash at all. I actually took out a loan from PayPal at like 5% interest for 12 months to buy some of these, which felt absolutely bananas back in May. Now it turned out to be the best investment decision I've ever made, but it was insanely risky. I don't recommend it. Like I don't recommend other people do what I did. I don't. I am, de- I am comfortable with a high degree of risk and putting it all on the table when it's necessary, which I did. And uh, now I'm driving an original Tesla Roadster that is in perfectly mint condition. Okay, of, you know, like before we get to that, though, 
yeah, I think you you make a good point here. Well, We're not here to give financial advice. We're not here to promote NFTs. Uh, this is like you do your own research. You do what's good for you. And uh, we're not advocating for any of this. But like to follow up, okay, so now you have the NFT, you bought it for 4,800. From my perspective, I'm seeing that with the three-year access to VIP, you could like say, yeah, even if it goes to zero, at least I'll have that. And these are cool events and I'll have VIP access. So you were risking a lot on, on a drawing, one of two rarity of somebody that's famous. And then... Okay, so this was in May. Now we're September. Something happened between those two days that um, somebody approached you or you approached somebody. How, how did that happen that you, you, two, you two connected and decided to like, uh, consider this? So the timing just ended up working out perfectly. I was actually literally a morning away from selling my epic positive porcupine because uh, I was planning on holding it long term, but I'm working on developing the Starman NFT project right now. So there's going to, we're going to do like digital rookie cards for all the characters in the Starman universe um, and some other cool stuff, which is going to come and I can't give too specifics because there's going to be drops on that, but it'll come with some access stuff. It's going to come with some special Starman content that's only accessible for token holders. So we're in the works on that. I was about to sell it. Literally I had an offer for 117,000, and that's what it translated to in U.S. I was going to be selling it the next morning because I needed I need to spend about sixty seventy thousand on development for my NFT project because there's a lot of developer costs involved, design. There's a, there's a lot that goes into pull, pulling off actually hosting an NFT. Um, and I got a call from Dan at like one o'clock in the morning on my drive to Starbase. I was like the first night in my drive to Starbase, and he says, "Hey." I'm thinking about selling one of my roadsters and do you know if anybody would want to trade me for one of their V friend NFTs? He's like, I missed the boat on that, but I really want, I missed the minting, but I really want to get into that now. And I was like, you know what? Let me think about it. I called him back like an hour later and I was like, man, bro, it has to be me. I was like, I will figure it out. I'll figure out how to come up with the money elsewhere. I, it has to be me. I want like, I want this. This is like a dream come true. I'm not going to miss out on it. And he's like, are you sure? And I was like, I'm sure. I was like, okay. So I completely re, re, we reconfigured the whole Starbase trip. I ended up only being at Starbase for like 36 hours instead of three days like we had planned. So drove the 2,000 miles, got a day and a half at Starbase, and immediately raced back so I could get to his house in time before he left on one of his trips. It was wild, man. Like that whole week, I was like, I'm going out to Starbase, which was mind-blowing. And when I get back, I'm making the most insane trade of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, did you know about his roadster, his serial number, the color, everything? You were familiar with all that. I was. So I had not driven the blue one, but I had previously been to his house a couple times, and I'd driven his red one, uh, his R80 red one. So, yeah, no, I was familiar with the roadsters. I'd seen him in person. Um, I'd done some videos with him like on uh, previously uh, with Boring Tunnel and also FSD Beta. We did this really awesome video driving down the Las Vegas Strip that did a really good job kind of educating the mainstream person on like what FSD Beta is and how it works and stuff. So, no, we're friends. Um, been friends for a couple few years now. But, yeah, I, I never had any idea that we would end up end up here. Is his red one a lower VIN than the blue one or is it higher? higher. Okay, Plus, and, gotcha. and you like – so when he, it's funny when he hit me up, he was, he, I kind of had a choice depending on like the red one actually has a little bit more, a little bit higher market value than the blue one. I would have had to put in a little bit of cash if I had done the red, but honestly, I preferred the blue. The blue is gorgeous. And there's a thing about the blue that it is a true 
unicorn. Like it is a one of one because the uh, the original owner who had it, very low VIN, very close to Tesla, Elon, and the company, he had somebody scratch his car in a parking lot, and he was upset about the panel being the, about the, the way the panel looked, and he didn't want them to just re replace the panel because he was concerned it wouldn't match. So Tesla actually took the car back, did an entirely new paint job on the car, and when they did, at his request, they put a whole bunch more of the fleck in there. So the so Ooh. this Tesla has an OEM paint job, but it is extra electric blue. So if you put all the other Roadsters out there that have OEM paint, this one extra pops because they put a whole bunch more extra fleck in there. And that might not sound significant, but it was done by the OEM, which in car world, that makes this a real, real collector's unicorn. Yeah, like like and it was, yeah, OEM is like that's insane. Like that that's doesn't rare, happen, yeah. but it does if you're in five hundred cars in at a fledgling car company. That must look so fire. I'm going to drive it out to the shareholder meeting. You can see it. It looks incredible. (laughs) Okay. So basically you were both down for the trade. Like there was no hesitation. He reached out to you. You thought about it uh, financial wise. You had other plans for, for, for that NFT, but you said you can't pass up on that. You're trading a two of a kind for a one of a kind, basically. Yes, exactly. Oh, wow. All right. So, so then, so you do the trade. So I'm guessing you, you write up the, the smart contract. Uh, uh, what was the, the value uh, of the contract? So we we know each other. So we didn't actually like write up a smart contract. Like basically I transferred the asset to him digitally, uh, through the blockchain and he handed me the title that he signed, it signed over to me. Okay, because uh, from what I understand, like this, uh, these transactions usually come with royalties, right? For the creator, uh, each time the the NFT uh, changes hands on the blockchain, from one. So that's one of the magic things about blockchain right? that's such a big deal for artists and NFTs. In the past, you know, if a LeBron James rookie card gets sold for a million dollars, LeBron James or Tops doesn't get a cut from that, right? Whatever collector does. So now with NFTs, that's different, but. That's only if you do it as a public sale. I did a private transfer to him, so I didn't pay any fees. But had we sold it, had I sold it for you know, $100,000, then vFriends would have gotten 10% of that cut. But any direct party transfers do not get, do not get fees applied. So if you sold it on OpenSea, that would have percent would have gone to be friends and charged. two and a half would have gone to OpenSea. And this is one of the things about, about the royalties for anybody who does get into the NFT space to consider. The higher royalty percentage that you take of resale, the more you incentivize your audience to find private buyers and not sell public. So I learned from that. When I do the Starman NFT, royalty is only going to be 5% because I want, I want people to not be overly incentivized to have to do private sales. Because, you know, when you're doing sales for, you know, 30 Ethereum, if you can find a private buyer and save three and a half ETH, well, that's, that's, that's a $10,000 savings. That's a pretty good incentive to, to not publicly trade and privately trade instead. And I'm wondering like Gary V and, and V friends, they're not like upset. Like if everybody starts doing like private trades, they're getting like cut out of this 10% royalty and they're actually offering something in exchange, like the three year access. So how does that uh, how do you figure that that plays out on their from their end? Because it's a three party tr- transaction, and you basically bypass one of. 
Well, I mean, I was initial buyer too. So like I paid the initial mint price to them. So I don't really feel bad, but also, I mean, it's the market. The market is the market. Uh, they obviously prefer people to do non-private transactions because they get funds from that. However, I would say in this case, the story of the trade, I think brought far more value to the V friends brand and awareness to V friends than that you know, commission would have been if it was a cash transfer, you know, I, I would say the option was worth more than $10,000. That would have been what they would have gotten of their cut. I agree. So how do you assess like the value of it? Because over those few months that you held it, do you just like look at comps of other, like uh, of other V friends NFTs or like, do you just, or is there some sort of marketplace where you can so sort the of pricing look at is, the value? Look at what everyone is looking at is crypto slam. It's a platform that is pulling together sales data from all from different projects. Basically, the market price is what the project has recently been selling for. So you'll look at the thing and say, okay, the, the current lowest price token is listed for this price, right? And that'll be like, that's a core. So then the, so the core kind of defines the floor and then the higher rarities kind of become worth more and more incrementally above that. So you'll look and see, okay, what did the last Epic sell for? And it's like, oh, the last Epic sold for 35 ETH. What did the last Epic before that sell for? 2090, 2090. So it's like, okay, between 30 and 34 is now the current going rate because that's the last one's transacted for. Then you look at the core floor and it's like, okay, the cores are going for 19. That makes sense then that an Epic would be going for 30 to 35. Like it's, it's all look at, say, it's all based on recent sales data and what is being listed. So the floor is basically, the floor price is the, but the floor price is the equilibrium of we've met buyers and sellers once a price hits a certain price. So, the, so a floor at 20 means that if a token was listed for 19, it got bought. So at 20 is the point where the market is hit an equilibrium and buyers and sellers are not transacting. If it goes, if it goes, any, if, it, if what's, cause if one got listed, it got bought or it got bought. Okay. Like I, I got to ask because I went on open seas and I've, I've seen some tweets like today, people saying that, people are actually selling them to themselves to drive up the price. And I've seen weird things like also from uh, V friends, magnanimous Maltese was like the high bid was uh, 99 trillion ETH or something like that. Like for uh, 376, like quadrillion dollars. Like how does the market like decide what these things are worth when, like there's no verification that the bids, first of all, that the person who's making the bids has the funds in its wallet and that it's not the same person just selling it to himself to drive up the price. So this is one of the fun parts about blockchain is no is all the data is there. So actually, two days ago, the uh, uh, chief of product at OpenSea was fired because the Internet was paying attention and they figured out because all the transactions on the blockchain are public record. And if you can figure out where, which, where, where in the chain goes to the person who's pulling the strings, you can see all of their behavior. So it turned out the uh, chief of product at OpenSea had, had a bunch of different wallets privately that when things were going on sale, that when new listings were going out, he was sniping them before it was available to the public and immediately reselling them for double. And people who just monitor the blockchain figured that out, outed him on Twitter, and he was fired within 24 hours. Well, that's the, that, that's a good thing for decentralization. Yes. So, so where we're headed is, if people actually do any of the behavior you're talking about, it gets sussed out and exposed 
so fast because again, there's no way to move anything anonymously. You're anonymous, but they they can like the accounts look anonymous, but they can if you if you get a data person to look at all the behavior, it's like okay, you have this other wallet, right? Well, how how does the money get to this wallet? All right, it had to be a transaction. People can walk all those steps back, and they will figure out who's doing it. So any people who do try to do market manipulation, it gets exposed. Okay, and how do you explain like these outrageous bids of quadrillions of dollars? So the quadrillions of dollars was not a bid. That would have been a listing price. You can list something for whatever amount you want. Bids, though, you can't bid without actually having the money in your account. When you place a bid, the money is committed. So unlike eBay, when you place a bid and you have to pay it someday later or you can abandon it, on the blockchain, when you place a bid, the Ethereum is literally committed. And it comes out of your wallet the second the bid is accepted. Like you can't bid without the money backing it up. So if somebody places a 20 ETH bid or 100 ETH bid on something, they've got the 100 ETH in their wallet. The, the bid is not allowed to be made without it. You don't get to make unbacked bids. Okay, so so that's all that. So basically those outrageous numbers is basically people who own um, a VFriends NFT and actually have no intention of selling it. So they just fill out the... The things yes. with nine 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 e. They're memeing. As, as yeah. They did, okay. They did it for the memes. It's just saying like I'm not selling ever, and if you're willing to pay that much, I'll sell. But they're asking for like more money than exists in U.S. dollars, right? Like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. So here's here's actually the real reason why people do that. I think is when you go to list it, when you go look at the details of the tokens in a project, one of the sort filters is highest price listed, and you can get yours at the top of that list by just putting the most outrageous price. I've done that before on one just because I thought it was funny and I wanted and I really and I wanted mine to be seen because views translate to attention and views also are useful if you are trying to actually sell it. So people may put one at a crazy high price just to get attention to it and later when they do want to put it to a reasonable price, a bunch of people have favorited it. So there's a bit of a game strategy to that. Like I've had one listed before for like 12,000 ETH. I had no intention of selling it for 12,000 ETH. I planned on at some point selling it for 10, but it got like 38 favorites. So then later when I did want to sell it, I had interested buyers that I have had identified. Yeah, that, that makes sense. <clears throat> like that's exactly what I did. I went on open seas and I, I sorted high to low. And this is what I saw, like Maltese, uh, the magnanimous Maltese. And I said, yeah, like there's not n that amount of money. I don't think it even exists on Earth. They did it just so you would see so, it. Yeah. And, and right, ne right next to it, like, there's a the buy now button. And I'm like, seriously, <laughs> buy now? No, they, it was just so you saw it when you clicked that filter. That's why yeah. it was done. All right. And, and now, like, tell us about the Roadster, man. You've had it, like, for, what, two days now? So I went to Dan's house to go do the deal and drive the Roadster. I now have to wait a couple weeks. He's going to ship it to me, and I'm going to get it, like, basically going from southern Utah to California, the Roadster would take multiple days because you have to destination charge. The OG Roadsters do not work on the supercharging network. That's that's not a thing. You can use an adapter to the supercharger, but it doesn't charge at 120 kilowatts. It's charging at like 28 kilowatts. That's, I mean, it's a 2000. I mean, that's what it was back then. So driving it from his house back to California was going to be a little cumbersome. Plus I also had my model S starship there because I was on the way back from Starbase. So I drove it around his place for a couple days and then he's going to ship it to me and it's going to arrive to my house a couple, just a couple days before the shareholder meeting. So that I can take it with me to shareholder meeting in Fremont.
Is it more snug than you would have thought it might be? Because we watched the video of you in it, and it looked like it was sort of a snug cabin. I fit fine. The part about it that I noticed the most is like I can't on, on my S. I have the seat lean pretty far back, and on the Roadster, it's kind of like that doesn't work. There's nowhere to lean it back. Um, yeah, I mean, like I mean, you're yeah. driving a super low to the ground electric. I mean, it feels like driving a go kart, but it's not because you can feel the Tesla power in it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's a Roadster. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. manual steering. Uh, there's no sensors. You know, you're couple inches off the ground and it's a fun drive man oh my goodness it looks so nimble like it looks like it could corner like uh on- yes oh yeah i can I, i'm gonna definitely take it to some tracks yep i'm gonna race it oh that's super fun uh listen we're if people in the audience you have questions like don't hesitate to call in uh it's the little telephone icon at the bottom in, in your tray and basically like if you have questions for eli Uh, about this amazing transaction he did. Uh, feel free to call in. Um, oh, there we have somebody. You're up, Scott. Um, yeah, I got, I got it now, I think. I was just curious, how many miles does the Roadster have? This Roadster, so this one is well-driven, uh, which is a good thing, actually, because some of these Roadsters, when you start getting miles on them they have problems and that was actually one of the things about his red one his red one has had quite a few problems and doesn't have very many miles uh this one has like forty five thousand miles forty two thousand miles um and it's been a great car so uh, i'm much more happy to have the one that's been driving and working than the one that has few miles and has had some pretty major replacements <laughs> and i'm sorry i haven't been on twitter like like intensely uh, I haven't seen the interior. What's the interior? Is it a tan or a black leather? It is gorgeous. Hold on. Let me go pull up. I can describe it. It's got carbon fiber in it. Um, give me a second. Yeah, black interior, a uh, bunch of carbon accents on it. It's got an upgraded stereo system. Um, I mean, it's completely mint condition. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, I'm, like, I'm going to be a little bit afraid to take this thing out of my garage very often because it looks so nice. I wouldn't track it with uh, ca- other cars no, on the road, we'll do, on the we'll track. Do, we'll do <laughs> yeah, no, it'll be close. Like, we'll rent it out. And and just just to clarify, your daughter is how old, and when can she start driving it? <laughs> so, she's six. Uh, she'll be... <laughs> so, 10 years. 10 years. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'll let her drive this one. There's probably no chance of that, actually. <laughs> this I don't think a di- girl dad can... I know, I know, but I mean, I mean, maybe on a on a closed track. I'm not letting her drive it on public roads. This thing is too precious. Scott, do you have a follow up? No, I, I just think it was a, it was a beautiful idea. I think it was an interesting idea to trade it for an NTF, whatever the NTF. I mean, I understand. Like, I think it's it actually proves the function of N- NFT in a realistic form like it's it tangible it, it, it's actually pretty interesting in my mind like it's like you can actually trade this and it, it i don't know this should be this should be viewed really positive in this community so uh, i'm interested to see how they respond to it other people respond to it but i'm, glad to, hear, I'm glad to hear your take on that scott and the truth is even, even though a lot of people don't understand nfts yet and it's understandable because it's so new in its space the truth is there's enough people who believe in it and putting money into it that like 
they will swap it for a digital, a physical asset of equal value. Like, you know, remember 10 years ago when people said Bitcoin yeah. would never work and now it's at $50,000 and it's what the people said, like Bitcoin was digital gold and that's, it's holding up so far, right? Yeah, I think those little monkeys are cool. Like I, I would love, like I saw like a zombie one. And if I had the money, I would have bought one. I would have bought that one. But I oh, was like, I, it's just like, I, I can't wrap my brain around buying something like that. That's just mainly how my brain thinks. But anyways, y'all have a good night. Thank you for letting Yeah, thanks a lot, Scott. Thanks for coming up, Scott. Man, sadly, I actually had a friend who hit me up about the Bored Apes early when it was at like just minted. The floor was like under one ETH. And he's like, yo, these things are going to go. And I missed it. And now like, there's the eight floors, like 48 ETH or something crazy. One of them just auctioned off for like $23 million. And what I missed from Ooh. the apes was that the people who bought into the apes were the same people who literally aped in on Wall Street bets and were throwing insane amounts of money, everything they had at GameStop and AMC. So these people printed money off that and they followed up in the NFT space by jumping onto the board API club. So those same apes who had aped into on going in Wall Street bets and made a killing there, then threw their money into the Board Ape Yacht Club NFT project. And if I had realized that, I'd have gone all in on them because those guys are insane and they know how to drive. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, hey, guys. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Awesome. This is my first time asking a question on this platform. So uh, Alex Sawyer, thank you for hosting Eli. Eli, thanks for taking the time to come on uh, uh, the pod. Um, I wanted to congratulate you first on your Roadster. Uh, I saw the photos on Twitter. That looks awesome. Um, uh, my, my question for you was, um, and also before that, I want to preface by saying you did a fantastic job uh, kind of going through a 101 primer on NFTs. Um, it is a difficult space, and I'm just a recent entrant myself into the crypto space. So thank you for that. Uh, my question is, um, what kind of... Uh, tax implications does this transaction have? Um, because it's not like buying, going to a dealership or buying a car or ordering a Tesla online or something like that. So um, the, my question is because of the fact that, you know, I'm understanding how things need to be declared and things like that as I get into the crypto space. What does an NFT entail? Like, is it any different than buying crypto, selling crypto kind of thing? And I know none of this is financial advice. I'm just asking generally from a... Keeping a clean sheet from a book. I, I, I do know the answer to this. So um, selling an NFT for crypto is a taxable event because anytime you convert something to or from crypto, it's a taxable event. However, transferring an NFT for another NFT is not a taxable event. Uh, the government still hasn't figured out their rules around that. And, and for now, the rule is it's not a taxable event. So in fact, in NFT space, it's very common for large transactions to actually be swaps between very high-valued NFTs. You'll have somebody trade a board ape for or a couple board apes for a punk, a crypto punk. You've probably heard those names if you've been in the space started exploring the space. Yep. So uh, one it's one of the big strategies that people will trade assets in kind to avoid taxable situations at all. So me sending my NFT to Dan was a non-taxable event. If Dan ever sells it, it'll be a taxable event for him on his sell. However, my transfer was non-taxable. For me, when I register the car in California, whatever the determined value is, that's what I will have to pay tax on. And we haven't determined what that value is going to be yet. But um, because, again, it's, it is a bit of a determined thing because uh, we just swapped asset for asset. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, my tax will be whatever I tell the DMV the car was worth, which, by the way, 
you, you get some wiggle room here. There's no like, you know, you don't take it to an appraiser. Like that's not how it works. You kind of estimate it and you need to be within the realm of reality or they're going to smack you for it. So I don't know exactly what's going to be put down, but it'll be within reason. I'm guessing you won't be met. Yeah. I guess you won't be mentioning the super OEM paint with extra fleck <laughs> that it's a one of a kind and everything. And yeah, that's just an old Tesla roadster, you know, like old. And that's also something that's impossible to price too, until somebody buys it. Right. Until you get a cash exchange like that. We know that has value. We know that carries a lot of value. So at some point, if I ever sell this thing, it'll like it'll be years years from i don't plan to sell it actually like i'm going to keep this as long as i possibly can because like this is a piece of car history but more importantly tesla history and that is super meaningful to me as soon as i got in that car and started driving it i was like man i am driving a piece of of history like this is why this car the tesla roadster is why the whole world is going electric and that's it like that was a feeling that i'm like man i don't know if i could ever part with yeah, and, and great question, uh, Kaushik. Uh, do you have a follow-up? No, no, that was my only question, the tax ramifications. That's all. No, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to ask my question. And uh, thanks, guys. You can put me back into the stage. Thanks. Thank you. And we have... I think we lost Rajendra. If it's a bad flip of the buttons, just come call back up. I'll, I'll, I'll speak to something that some people have been asking a lot for, but while anybody else comes up is that um, people were asking, so I was kind of explaining that the short of the value of the V friends is supply and demand. There's a limited supply and there's a higher demand. And people have been asking, well, then why is there so much demand? And basically what Gary V has been doing with V friends over the past three months is really showing active development of his plans to develop the IP and increase the popularity of the project. And that's led to very wealthy people coming in and buying very rare tokens at very high prices and that becomes a bit of a spiral where people are like, oh my God, this, this project's being invested in. We don't want to sell. We're holding, right? The same thing with Tesla. There's so many people that held and believed that when this short squeeze finally happened, the stock just went forever because there, was, there wasn't enough people willing to sell. So you got a bit of that happening. And then also too, the NFT space is growing. More money's coming into it. And people are looking around and saying, hey, there's a bunch of projects here being ran by unknown people that no one's ever heard of. And then there's this project here being ran by Gary Vee, who's got a 20, 30 year success record, track record of being successful. And he's got so much money that he can make, and he's a billionaire himself, he can make these tokens valuable in ways that other people can't. And he's even said that. He's like, look, I can, he's like, I can do anything I want to, to make sure that my my holder, my supporters don't lose out. I could decide that by one, I could just decide one day that you guys get a percentage of revenue of the share of entire VaynerMedia. It's like, there's nothing I can't do to make sure my supporters don't lose. So when you have something like that, it was very obvious for a lot of people why the price was cheaper to buy into VFriends because the guy backing it has so much resources and credibility. Oh, so you mean like the past two days I've been drawing little doodles of animals? I, I wasted my time? <laughs> Not if you enjoyed the drawing, it was worth it, but it probably won't print a hundred million. But it won't make the money machine. Oh God, you're great answer, Eli. Rajendra, you're up. Just a. Hi, uh, great discussion, guys. I'm still getting to know uh, about the NFT and the crypto world, so this was very informative. I just had a very basic question that. Uh, uh, from uh, what I gather is, uh, you trade these NFTs on OpenSea. So is that the only platform out there or is it like one of the big dominant platforms and you have other options also? 
it's actually not recommended to create the NFTs directly to OpenSea. Uh, that is something that like small artists do. But if you're actually doing a serious project and you're a company that is really like a not that's not seen positively, it, it suggests a lack of technical competency. However, OpenSea is pretty much the sole source of the resale platforms. You can sell in other places, but honestly, right now, it would be like if you're going to go sell something online at an auction, would you sell it anywhere but eBay? That's kind of OpenSea. That OpenSea is just the 800-pound gorilla right now, and by far, it's got the best value proposition, security, safety, interface, users. So right now, OpenSea is the resale marketplace for NFTs as a whole. There are some individual NFT projects that only resell through the creator's website, but that's not because they have to. That's because it's a choice of the community. Like CryptoPunks, you can't find a CryptoPunk for selling OpenSea. Every CryptoPunk holder has basically agreed and like just with the community that they will only sell on Larva Labs website. And Larva Labs are the ones who initially made CryptoPunk. So there's some one-off examples where certain NFTs are only sold within the platform that created them, but far and wide, it's all the resale market is OpenSea. And what about trades, like uh, one for another? Does that happen on OpenSea or is that just done privately? I have heard of some solutions that help facilitate a true like fenced trade or, or, or a true escrow trade so that nobody can get screwed. Typically, though, trades are happening between parties just agreed to or they'll have a middleman. So the most common way a trade will happen is they will find somebody who's a verifiable person on Twitter who will play the middleman for a trade if you don't know the person you're trading with, which means both people will send their NFT to the agreed upon middleman and the middleman will transfer them to the other two people just so there's, you know, no one's getting scammed. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, most common, mo most more common than not, it's sales happening than trades as a result to that. Okay, thanks. Uh, Rajendra, do you have a follow uh, No, thanks. Uh, great information. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Yeah, happy to. Uh, we have Steve now. Hey, guys. Thanks. And Eli, congrats on the Roadster. And excited to hear that there's something maybe coming for Adventures of Starman. That's exciting. Uh, question for, I guess, all of you guys, but I'll, I'll field it to Eli, is do you guys see any sort of uh implementation or future in nfts for tesla like how they could potentially use nfts or create some sort of metaverse do you see some sort of future there my take is every brand in the world sometime in the next five to seven years will have nfts of some sort because it is the perfect way to manage access that also comes with like a Uh, collectible memento aspect whether it'll happen whether under elon's reign or not i don't know elon may just have some aversion to it because he does with things sometimes but the truth is elon will leave tesla at some point and go run spacex full-time it's the only way we get to mars he knows that so um I, i think there won't be a company in the world that does it because i mean it's everything it's like hey you went to the tesla shareholder meeting and you got an nft as your ticket like that's like that's cool like that's what people want they will want like you know you everyone saves the concert ticket so like There will be ways in which they have that. Will, will Tesla ever sell an experience tied to an NFT? I think not while Elon is at the CEO. In the future, though, when they're not, I think, I think absolutely. But I'd love to hear Sawyer's and Alex's take. Yeah, I think in general, Tesla, more so than other companies, is really willing to experiment with, with new things. And we saw that with crypto, right? They were one of the big 
major uh, Fortune 500 companies to to invest in crypto, and you know we've seen how that's played out. But yeah, I mean, Eli certainly knows a lot more than I do. But yeah, I certainly wouldn't be shocked for to Tesla for them to step into this space. And I would just add to that when you look at the products they've been offering, sometimes like the short shorts. Uh, I think that would have been perfect to be like have an F- NFT link to that for short shorts. NFT. Yeah, short shorts <laughs> NFT. That so That'd be cool. yeah, so you know it's an authentic because seriously, like people could replicate it, and these might go for huge amounts of money in the future. And if it had been like authenticated on a blockchain, it would have been just that much more. And I would see. I don't know why Eli doesn't see Elon wanting to experiment with NFTs. But maybe you can elaborate on that. I see him totally doing it in the next few. I just have a sense that he's going to be weird. He's just going to think it's silly. But I could, again, I, I think they make a ton of sense. My guess is just that I think I'm not sure if Elon will embrace it that same way, but I could be wrong. Uh, and he's in he's big into crypto. So I know it's a weird take for me to think that uh, he won't be about it. But like I said, I'd be happy to be wrong on that because I think it's G- uh, Steve, did you have a? Uh, no, yeah, no real follow up. Just thanks for the show last night and tonight was really enjoyable. So thanks. Also, Steve, thanks for grabbing the. Uh, Steve grabbed the um, uh, cameo spot in Starman Begins, so he has the cameo in the. He's in the episode. Very exciting. Thanks. Nice. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Steve. Cheers. Uh, we have coffee. Hey, uh, Eli, since you've been doing such a great job of explaining all this, I was hoping you could help me understand what Ethereum gas is and these gas prices and so forth. Oh, my gosh. Gas is like the one part of that that sucks. It's so, so off-putting sounding. Like, is it really gas or? I, I know somebody made a joke and it was a, it was probably the most underrated comment that it was like, this is the first Tesla that involved a gas fee. Um, so the first Tesla cell of all the gas fee. Um, so basically gas is, hold on, give me one second. I'm sorry. Someone's tapping on my, I'm doing. Yeah, so I'll just plug uh, the the XPod right now. So if you guys like the content and want to support us, just subscribe to the show. We also have a companion show that's more chill. We haven't used it much yet, but we plan on to. That's X After Party. And uh, yeah, so just plugging in the show. Go ahead, Eli. I'm back. So gas fees is the network transaction fee to move your transaction across the Ethereum blockchain. Basically every transaction that is sent has to get verified by like 21 different nodes. It's part of the decentralization process that there is no fake records and there is no hacking of the system the way it decentralizes that. So that cost, uh, that costs energy and you pay for the energy in a gas fee. Now gas fees can vary wildly because depending on how a project writes its smart contract, just way the same way when you write a software, you can write software that's written smart and efficiently uses computation and you can write contracts that are, you can write software that's dumb and waste computation. Well, on the Ethereum network, you pay for all computation. So the dumber you write your contracts, the more you pay in gas, smarter you write your contract, the less you pay in gas. Now it's also a network. So the total amount of traffic going on on the network determines what the minimum rate is for gas to move across the, for, for data to move across the network at all. 
So one of the things that's been happening in NFT space, because there's been a large growth in it and some large projects mint, is you'll have windows where gas on the entire network kind of becomes, you know, you can have moments where a transaction on the network on bad periods can be like 0.1 ETH. And that's a lot of money for people who aren't used to these numbers. Um, and it's, it, it's coming down, um, but it's kind of like, this is like the early days of a new type of internet. And like in the few, eventually Ethereum already has plans to solve gas entirely. Ethereum 2.0 will solve gas. It's going to take them between six months and two years to migrate to that. So in the future, when this is way, way mainstream, gas will, won't even be a thing. Most people even know about there'll be distant PTSD memories from those of us who are early. But yeah, effectively, it's the transaction fees to move information across the network. Uh, did it's been a long answer? Yeah, no, but 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 very detailed. So, uh, coffee, do you have? A- I guess I'm just still kind of wondering: is it literally gas? Like you said, it's it's energy, and and is it just we're using the term gas to represent that energy? It's just what the Ethereum back market. It's just what the Ethereum creators called it. Uh, they just called it gas. Uh, not actually tied okay. to petrol or anything, but it is basically just energy to complete motion. Uh, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's to move the electrons to do the computation. So those electrons, the, 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 the electricity was either created by solar or, you know, like, uh, coal or whatever, but yeah, it's just the word that's used to describe the, the, the energy used to do these computations. Thanks a lot, yeah, Coffee. Uh, we're oh, back to Scott. I uh, I forgot my question because I was looking back at the at the roadster that he posted. Um, but uh, oh, now now it comes to me on the uh, NFTs. Is this going to be int- like I wanted to touch back on uh, the Tesla NFTs? It would be interesting to see that, like. Uh, you pre-order like a Tesla bot, you get an NFT. I just thought that that rattled my brain around a lot. I thought that was really interesting. Even like the shareholders meetings, not the one coming up, but like there, it could be, it could be quite interesting. I could see Tesla doing something like that. And even Elon did that NFT, but he canceled it because he thought it was kind of weird selling it. But anyways, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. He almost sold that song to Beeple. Beeple offered to buy it for like 30 million Doge or something. And Elon said yes. And then he came back and was like, no, that feels, yeah. That, that, I think for Elon, it just wasn't on brand for him to be in the business of selling an NFT. But you're right. He did initially agree to it. I forgot about that. So it, it would be interesting, like an NFT. Uh, I mean, I could see one for like Monroe and Associates, like an NFT of a 3D scan of a Tesla part. Or something like that. That would be an intro. Like this, it would be like a three D scan of a Plaid power power portraying or something like that. Yeah, the, yeah. Possibly. And if you pair that with like you get to have Monroe come on your YouTube channel for a video, then all of a sudden it's like that could be pretty. Yeah, lots of great ideas. So we're we're running close to an hour. So I'm going to take Kaushik next. Uh, okay, Alex, thanks for bringing me up. Uh, I'll be quick about this, but it's a three-part question. I'm just trying to put together the information that Eli has you know, graciously uh, said in this pod. Eli, just one um, 
first part is you had mentioned so your definition of gas fees and what it means so just to clarify um because you're uh, so to preface that is the tesla roadster that you own currently in the state of an nft does an nft exist that represents the tesla roadster no what what uh, maybe i'm not articulating it correctly oh what i'm trying to say is like you said that you traded an nft for an nft which was the 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 title of ownership for the tesla is that correct oh i got what you're saying so i was basically saying yeah so i didn't trade nft for an nft i traded my nft i sent which i sent to him via a, via a digital transfer and he physically handed me the key and the uh and the title Okay, so my question to that was going to be did you have to pay any gas fees for that transaction? $12 in gas fees to transfer the asset all okay. to his. I did. Gotcha. Okay, that's the first. Thank you for answering that. Uh the second part of my question is how does gifting work? So, let me clarify. So, as you mentioned earlier, you you want to keep the roadster for for as long as you can, right? Let's assume let's let's fast forward 10 years into yes. the future. um your daughter is 6 my son is 5 and i'm just thinking about this like um let's say you decide to gift her the roadster for an accomplishment okay just hypothetical scenario how does the gifting of that work does it involve the nft space at all anymore 10 years from now or um only if i were to have minted an nft and said whoever buys the nft i'll give them the roadster Uh, unless I did something like that which by the way I have already thought about and I think if I ever do that is what I will do <laughs> okay. it will be you buy the NFT like I trade an NFT to get the roadster it's only appropriate that if I were to ever sell it the way to sell it buy this NFT and whoever buys the NFT gets the roadster yeah. um that I think that is if I ever sell it that is how it'll be and especially 10 years from now NFTs will be so commonplace uh it won't it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a weird thing okay. but um no it doesn't it won't involve the blockchain unless I were to put it on there Okay and my last question would be an extrapolation of this if you were to put it on there let's say you as an nft would say hypothetically your daughter have to pay taxes at that time um like why i'm asking this question is because you know uh gifting things is normal like you know and you know when you gift actual objects yeah. nobody asks you anything now suddenly you know like what if i want to set up uh, a crypto wallet for my kids and i want i'm i'm going to invest on their behalf until they turn 18 and i want to then gift that wallet to them and then they can do whatever they feel like you know the tax implications and things like that now you've you've taken it to a whole new level with the tesla roadster so i was just wondering how how things can when you exchange hands the implications of things like that i hope it's not too technical and yeah no thanks well the implications right now would be Let's say you set up a wallet that's got all this money in it, all this Ethereum, Bitcoin, whatever. You hand them the address, right? You hand them the serial, fr- you hand them the key phrase, uh, and they have access to the wallet until they sell any of that Ethereum into fiat based on current tax law. It's a non-taxable event until they convert it, until they sell it. Um, you have no reason to go tell the IRS that, like, hey, I just like that's not how it works until they until they do anything with it. There's no tax element that that will pop up. Now, I don't know what the tax laws are going to be in ten years. it can be very different um around crypto but right now yeah like with the sec and gary gensler talking a lot about it in the recent in the last few weeks you know um it's it's just interesting i keep thinking about it a lot and so essentially if i were to take away what you you know just a summary of what you said like 
So from a crypto wallet perspective, the wallet, I mean, I can just hand you the wallet because there's no identity tied to the wallet the except wallet the, the bank. The wallet is the bank. Right. Okay. Yeah. Understood. Super. No, thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys. That those were my questions. Yeah. So no, literally anybody anybody you hand the key phrase to has access to everything in your bank. And so, like I said, for like a scenario with a kid, I could give my daughter my crypto thing. And, in, and until she ever sells any of it and pulls it into fiat, there's no tax obligation involved. I see. Understood. No, thank you so much. You like. Welcome. These are great questions, man. Like, oh, I love it. Yeah. Th- thanks a lot, Kaushik. You're, you're on fire. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're going we're gonna to end it, uh, I think, right here. And because we're close to an hour. And we try to keep these uh, around an hour. Uh, I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here, Eli. Um, would you consider coming back on on the pod? Uh, you have so many projects. Uh, my Tesla Adventure, Starman, like NFTs. Like w- when all these things like start coming out, uh, would you consider? Yeah, I'd love to, man. These discussions are great. I mean, hanging out with the Tesla community is what this is. Yeah, and, le- and leaving a, a recording of it so people can, can listen to it down the road might be fun also uh, for your daughter when she's older, hearing her dad talk about like the acquisition of the NFT on. You know, when 30 years from now, I end up winding up on Mars, this will all be a really cool history about how I ended up. Exactly. <laughs> I'll just end with, uh, where can people, I, obviously, it seems like ever since you got sort of got into NFT since May, you've certainly learned a lot. So where can people sort of go to learn themselves maybe more about NFTs or where are like the NFT community sort of residing in sort of social media terms? So there's not a single source per se. However, if you're going to watch one guy's videos, honestly, I would go watch Gary V's videos, Gary Vaynerchuk's videos about NFTs. He does a great job explaining NFTs at just a, at the, at the assuming, you know, nothing level, which is a good important place to start. And then you watch all that information. And then what the only thing that will actually make it start to really make sense, even after you learn that, like the concepts of how it works and why it's valuable. I didn't get it until I started spending time. The NFT culture happens in discord servers. Every project has their own discord server. And that's where these communities film for our form. That's where these markets form. And that's when you can really understand what's happening. Like uh, the Starman NFT project, we've already built out the Discord server. It'll launch in about a week and a half. The Discord server is kind of the backbone of where the NFT community happens. It's where communication is happening. It's where all the announcements are happening. So that's part of why it's less visible to everyone is Discord is not a traditional social media platform. It is a platform for communities and Discord servers are invite only because they're designed to be social. Like you don't you don't see public posts. Discord servers are private servers for for communities to build. But the the backbone of where NFT community is happening and where that world lives is in is in Discord. But if you're looking for content to start learning, go to YouTube, search Gary V NFT, and he does some really great stuff breaking it down. Um, he does like to say fuck and a bunch of other things a lot. So if that offends you, maybe don't watch him. Uh, but uh, yeah, I would search the internet. <laughs> I went all over the place. I've read articles. I've watched YouTube videos. I listen to podcasts. It's such a new space that like there isn't a definitive guide yet. It's, the space is defining itself and redefining yeah. itself and evolving very quickly. Cool. Well, I'm just gonna say yeah, this is probably my favorite episode so far. I think this was originally a uh, really interesting topic, and it really wasn't something that I knew much about. So thank you for coming on, Eli. And it was uh, it was cool to chat.
Hey, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to help talk about this and uh, look forward to coming back in the future. Yeah, thanks a lot. And thank you to all our audience uh, who support us and subscribe and you'll be notified when new episodes come on. Good night, everybody.